Chapter fifty two of Ten Years Later. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ten Years Later by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter fifty two. A Jesuit of the Eleventh Year. In the first place, in order not to weary the reader's patience, we will hasten to answer the first question. The traveller, with the cloak held over his face, was Aramis, who, after he had left Fouquet, and taken from a portmanteau, which his servant had opened, a cavalier's complete costume, quitted the chateau, and went to the hotel of the Beaupont, where, by letters seven or eight days previously, he had, as the landlord had stated, directed a room and an apartment to be retained for him, immediately after Malicorne and Manicamp had been turned out, Aramis approached the Franciscan, and asked him whether he would prefer the apartment or the room. The Franciscan inquired where they were both situated. He was told that the room was on the first, and the apartment on the second floor. "'The room, then,' he said. Aramis did not contradict him, but with great submissiveness said to the landlord, the room, and bowing with respect, he withdrew into the apartment, and the Franciscan was accordingly carried at once into the room. Now, is it not extraordinary that this respect should be shown by a prelate of the church for a simple monk, for one, two, belonging to a mendicant order, to whom was given up, without a request for it even, a room which so many travellers were desirous of obtaining? How, too, can one explain the unexpected arrival of Aramis at the hotel, he who had entered the chateau with M. Fouquet, and could have remained at the chateau with M. Fouquet if he had liked? The Franciscan supported his removal up the staircase without uttering a complaint, although it was evident he suffered very much, and that every time the litter knocked against the wall or railing of the staircase, he experienced a terrible shock throughout his frame, and finally, when he had arrived in the room, he said to those who carried him, "'Help me to place myself in that armchair.' The bearers of the litter placed it on the ground, and lifting the sick man as gently as possible, carried him to the chair he had indicated, which was situated at the head of the bed. "'Now,' he added, with a marked benignity of gesture and tone, "'desire the landlord to come.' They obeyed, and five minutes afterwards, the landlord appeared at the door. "'Be kind enough,' said the Franciscan to him, "'to send these excellent fellows away. "'They are vassals of the Vicomte de Melun. "'They found me when I had fainted on the road, "'overcome by the heat, "'and, without thinking of whether they would be paid for their trouble, "'they wished to carry me to their own home. "'But I know at what cost to themselves "'is the hospitality which the poor extend to a sick monk.' and I preferred this hotel, where, moreover, I was expected. The landlord looked at the Franciscan in amazement, but the latter, with his thumb, made the sign of the cross in a peculiar manner upon his breast. The host replied by making a similar sign on his left shoulder. "'Yes, indeed,' he said, "'we did expect you, but we hoped you would arrive in a better state of health.' And as the peasants were looking at the innkeeper, usually so supercilious, and saw how respectful he had become in the presence of a poor monk, 
the franciscan drew from a deep pocket three or four pieces of gold which he held out my friends said he here is something to repay you for the care you have taken of me so make yourselves perfectly easy and do not be afraid of leaving me here the order to which i belong and for which i am travelling does not require me to beg only as the attention you have shown me deserves to be rewarded take these two louis and depart in peace the peasants did not dare to take them the landlord took the two louis out of the monk's hand and placed them in that of one of the peasants all four of whom withdrew opening their eyes wider than ever the door was closed and while the innkeeper stood respectfully near it the franciscan collected himself for a moment he then passed across his sallow face a hand which seemed dried up by fever and rubbed his nervous and agitated fingers across his beard his large eyes hollowed by sickness and inquietude seemed to peruse in the vague distance a mournful and fixed idea what uh, physicians have you at fontainebleau he inquired after a long pause we have three holy father what are their names louis niguet first the next one a brother of the caramelite order named brother hubert the next a secular member named grisard ah grisard murmured the monk send for monsieur grisard immediately the landlord moved in prompt obedience to the direction tell me what priests are there here what priests yes belonging to what orders there are jesuits augustines and cordeliers but the jesuits are the closest at hand shall i send for a confessor belonging to the order of the jesuits yes immediately it will be imagined that at the sign of the cross which they had exchanged the landlord and the invalid monk had recognized each other as two affiliated members of the well-known society of jesus left to himself the franciscan drew from his pocket a bundle of papers some of which he read over with the most careful attention the violence of his disorder however overcame his courage his eyes rolled in their sockets a cold sweat poured down his face and he nearly fainted and lay with his head thrown backwards and his arms hanging down on both sides of his chair for more than five minutes he remained without any movement when the landlord returned bringing with him the physician whom he hardly allowed time to dress himself the noise they made in entering the room the current of air which the opening of the door occasioned restored the franciscan to his senses he hurriedly seized hold of the papers which were lying about and with his long and bony hand concealed them under the cushions of the chair the landlord went out of the room leaving patient and physician together come here monsieur grisard said the franciscan to the doctor approach closer for there is no time to lose try by touch and sound and consider and pronounce your sentence the landlord replied the doctor told me i had the honour of attending an affiliated brother yes replied the franciscan it is so tell me the truth then i feel very ill and i think i am about to die 
the physician took the monk's hand and felt his pulse. Oh, oh, he said, a dangerous fever. What do you call a dangerous fever? inquired the Franciscan, with an imperious look. To an affiliated member of the first or second year, replied the physician, looking inquiringly at the monk, I should say a fever that may be cured. But to me, said the Franciscan, the physician hesitated. Look at my grey hair, and my forehead full of anxious thought, he continued. Look at the lines in my face, by which I reckon up the trials I have undergone. I am a Jesuit of the eleventh year, Monsieur Grisard. The physician stared, for, in fact, a Jesuit of the eleventh year was one of those men who had been initiated in all the secrets of the order, one for whom science has no more secrets, the society no further barriers to present, temporal obedience no more trammels. In that case, said Grisard, saluting him with respect, I am in the presence of a master? Yes. Act, therefore, accordingly. And you wish to know my real state? Well, said the physician, it is a brain fever which has reached its highest degree of intensity. Is there no hope, then? inquired the Franciscan, in a quick tone of voice. I do not say that, replied the doctor. Yet, considering the disordered state of the brain, the hurried respiration, the rapidity of the pulse, and the burning nature of the fever which is devouring you, and which has thrice prostrated me since this morning, said the monk. All things considered, I shall call it a terrible attack. But why did you not stop on your road? I was expected here, and I was obliged to come. Even at the risk of your life? Yes, at the risk of dying on the way. Very well. Considering all the symptoms of your case, I must tell you that your condition is almost desperate. The Franciscan smiled in a strange manner. What you have just told me is, perhaps, sufficient for what is due to an affiliated member, even of the eleventh year. But for what is due to me, Monsieur Grisard, it is too little, and I have a right to demand more. Come then, let us be more candid still, and as frank as if you were making your own confession to heaven. Besides, I have already sent for a confessor. Oh, I have hopes, however, murmured the doctor. Answer me, said the sick man, displaying with a dignified gesture a golden ring, the stone of which had until that moment been turned inside, and which bore engraved thereon the distinguishing mark of the Society of Jesus. Grisard uttered loud exclamation. The general, he cried. Silence, said the Franciscan. You can now understand that the whole truth is all important. Monseigneur, Monseigneur, murmured Grisard, send for the confessor, for in two hours, at the next seizure, you will be attacked by delirium, and will pass away in its course. Very well, said the patient, 
for a moment contracting his eyebrows. I have still two hours to live, then? Yes, particularly if you take the potion I will send you presently, and that will give me two hours of life. Two hours. I would take it, were it poison, for those two hours are necessary, not only for myself, but for the glory of the order. What a loss, what a catastrophe for us all, murmured the physician. It is the loss of one man, nothing more, replied the Franciscan, for heaven will enable the poor monk, who is about to leave you, to find a worthy successor. Adieu, Monsieur Grisard. Already, even, through the goodness of heaven, I have met with you. A physician who had not been one of our holy order would have left me in ignorance of my condition, and, confident that existence would be prolonged a few days further, I should not have taken the necessary precautions. You are a learned man, Monsieur Grisard, and that confers an honour upon us all. It would have been repugnant to my feelings to have found one of our order of little standing in his profession. Adieu, Monsieur Grisard. Send me the cordial immediately. Give me your blessing at least, Monseigneur. In my mind, I do. Go, go. In my mind, I do so, I tell you. Animo, Maître Grisard, viribus impossibile and he again fell back on the armchair, in an almost senseless state. Monsieur Grisard hesitated whether he should give him immediate assistance, or should run to prepare the cordial he had promised. He decided in favour of the cordial, for he darted out of the room, and disappeared down the staircase. End of chapter 51 Recording by Yolo Jones in Penrhyw South Wales